Bibles with you this evening, turn to Exodus chapter 32 tonight, Exodus chapter 32. We've been going through the book of Exodus, went through the Ten Commandments, and last week we talked about the tabernacle, the importance of the tabernacle, the importance of it in that day, and the importance for us in this day. And tonight I want to continue talking about what God did through Moses what happened through Moses and the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 32. We'll start with the first 15 verses tonight, and we'll finish it by the grace of God in two weeks from tonight. But Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1, Exodus chapter 32 and verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods. We shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which are in the ears, and then brought them to Aaron, and received them at their hand, and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods. O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. They rose up early in the morning, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. The Lord said unto Moses, Get, go, get thee down. For that people which which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They've turned aside quickly out of the way which I've commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee, thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I've seen this people. Behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them that I may consume them. And I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains, to consume them from the face of the earth, turn them from the fierce wrath, repent of repent." Of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, of whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidest unto them, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and all this land that I spake I will give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. We'll stop there. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that it's applicable in so many areas of life. Thank you, God, that you are God. You are Lord. We have no other. There is only one Lord. There is only one God. And we can trust in you. Oh, we don't always understand what things are happening, circumstances in life. But, God, we can trust in you because you've proven yourself over and over. In the lives of Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Judah, and now in Moses and in Aaron. You prove yourself. Prove yourself to us on a regular basis. 
that we cannot trust in flesh. The flesh will always fail us. We cannot trust in our own feelings. Our feelings will always fail us. We have to trust in your word and what you have us to do. Not what we think we should do, but what you would have us to do. Help us to trust your word, for it is our only true guide to life. I pray that you would guide and direct in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Exodus chapters 24 through 31, we have recorded communication with Moses receiving from Jehovah while he was with God in the mount for 40 days. There are instructions dealing with the tabernacle and the priesthood, which we talked about at length. In chapters 32 through 34, we're given what transpired with the congregation while Moses was in the mountain for 40 days. Remember, Moses was in the, in the mountain for 40 days, 40 nights. But the people, which were not just a few people, were millions of people, were down. And they were confused and frustrated. And they didn't know what was going on. And there's an old saying, when the cat's away, the mice will play. When the cat's away, the mice will play. Moses was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. He was up in the mount getting instructions from God. But while he was up there, the children of Israel worried. They criticized. They argued among themselves. What's going on with Moses? Maybe Moses is dead. So we must now do our own thing. What happened? They got out of authority of God's will. And dear friend, whenever you and I get out of the authority of God's man and God's will, we always find ourselves in trouble. We always find ourselves in trouble. So first of all, we see the desire of the people. Verse 1 reveals the root of the problem. The people saw that Moses delayed to come up from the mountain. At this juncture, they're walking by sight instead of trusting God by faith. Whenever you are sight walking, whenever you are fear-based, what does that lead to? It leads to complaints. It leads to grumbling. It leads to problems. It leads to difficulty. Faith, trust, believes, hopes. They don't know what's going on in the mountain. They should have trusted God that Moses was the man of God. Trust the man of God because who put Moses in charge? Did the people put Moses in charge? Or did God put Moses in charge? God put Moses in charge. Now, dear friends, in life, God put people in places we don't always agree with. I've said it before. It is God's will that Joe Biden is the president of the United States of America. They say, you don't like that, do you? I know exactly why. Because you don't like it. Because he doesn't do what you want him to do. But you read the history of Israel, there's wicked, more people wicked than Joe Biden in the, in the, in, that's been set up. Think of Manasseh. Think about Ahaz. Think about all the people in the Old Testament that were more wicked than any president that's ever lived and ever will live, probably. Why? Because God has a will and a purpose that's beyond us. We don't like it because it doesn't make sense. But just because it doesn't make sense doesn't mean it's not true. We have to trust the word of God and believe that God is doing what is best for us. You see, the problem is we love America, and we do love America, and thank God for America, but the end is coming for America. You say, how do I know? Because I read Revelation, and I don't even see America. 
So what has to happen to the United States of America? The United States of America someday is going to fall. And I'm just as patriotic as anybody in this room. I would die even today for this country, gladly. But someday, this country is going to fall. And we hate it as Americans. But as Christians, if you look at the world biblically and in prophecy, you know our worst days are ahead of us. And dear friend, it has to happen. Now the timeline of all that, and when exactly the rapture is going to happen, I don't know all the details of that, but I know we're coming ultimately to a one world government. Right? We know ultimately the Antichrist is going to be control of this whole world. And to do that, there's going to be one currency, there's going to be one government, there's going to be one ruler. And all these individual nations will be combined so the Antichrist can dominate this world. And we've talked about that at length in church on Wednesday night when we went through Revelation. Brother Pete's talked about it. So there are things happening in our life that sometimes we don't understand, we don't, we don't even like. And I'm sure at this time the children of Israel are thinking to themselves, man, what's going on with Moses? Did he just forget us? Did he, did he give up? Did he quit? Did he just say, you know, what's the point? What happened with Moses? What, what, what's going on? Instead of trusting God who gave them Moses, they started going by their own feelings and what they thought and what they should do and getting together in factions and different people and say, I think we should do this and I think we should do that. And who was the spokesperson left? It was Aaron. He was there. Aaron who was basically Moses' right-hand man. So we see the desire of the people. He's there saying, if he's our leader, why is he not leading? If he's our lamp, why is not the burning of the, of, and the lighting of the way? If he's our shepherd, why is he not among the sheep? We need Moses, and Moses is not here. And what's the Bible say? When you smite the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. And that's exactly why they killed the Lord Jesus Christ, because they knew if they smite him, all the disciples would scatter. And that's exactly what happens. But Moses was exactly where Moses needed to be, doing exactly what God wanted him to do. The problem was the people lacked faith to trust God or in the circumstance, and they licked their fingers and held it up and say, well, things aren't going well for us. And we don't like, like it, the fact that Moses is not telling us what to do. So they started figuring out what to do on their own. And that's always trouble. They said, we want not what is become of him. They presumed that Moses was dead. Beloved, our presumptions can give us major trouble. Don't presume against God. Trust that he knows what he's doing. Has God ever in the history of the world failed? Name one time. Can anybody name it? Has he ever failed you? One time, has he never? Has there been a time where he didn't forgive you? Was there a time where he where he didn't show love to you? They, but they lacked trust in God, and because they lacked trust in Him, they began to become fearful. They presumed against Him. Some presumed that when someone's snobby because they're quiet, it's not true. I had neighbors across the street from me when I lived in Greenville, South Carolina. I presume that these people, because 
you know, they didn't walk across the street and introduce themselves and say, hi, hi, you're doing, I figured they didn't like us. And I thought that for over a year until one day, finally, he was outside cutting grass and I was outside cutting the grass and we went across the street and met and shook hands, had dinner together, had a great relationship, but I presumed wrong. Presumptions can get you in trouble. Trust what God is doing in your life. Trust. See, when we don't trust God, what happens is worry. And what comes out of worry? Well, fear. What comes out of fear? Complaining. What comes out of complaining? Criticism and divisions and struggle and problems and regret and pain. Folks, presume a, presume a person is guilty of a crime without giving them a trial. We don't want to do that. Presumption can create a headache for you and others. The key is found in the incidents found in Acts chapter 7.38. It says, in Acts chapter 7, 38, this is he that was in the church of the wilderness, and the angel was spake to him in the Mount Sinai with our fathers who received the lively oracles given unto us, to my fathers who would not obey, but trust him with from them. And our hearts turned back against them in Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods and go before us, for as for this Moses which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we want not to become of him. Notice the phrase, thrust him from them. God's people had cast off their allegiance to God and trusted in themselves. Their hearts departed from them. They claimed that Moses brought them out of Egypt. But later in history, they would have the same attitude again. In Judges chapter 8, verse 22, When the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, but thou and thy son and thy son's son also, thou was delivered under us from the hand of Midian. They, the, their attribute, they, they, they attributed the deliverance from Gideon. But was it Gideon that let him out? Was it Moses that let him out? But wasn't it God who let him out? Ultimately, Moses was simply a tool, a leader underneath God's plan. For it was God himself that put Moses in charge. In Exodus chapter 32, the people approached Aaron and commanded him to make gods before them. Moses left Aaron in charge of the people. It says in chapter 24 and verse 14, he said unto the elders, Tarry here for us, and we will come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. And if any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. This was not the first time that Aaron had the responsibility. And unfortunately, he's going to fail, flop, and flounder miserably. Aaron will fail because he will try to serve two masters. And any time you try to serve two masters, it's always a failure. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Was Aaron the older? He was. But unfortunately, he didn't have the character. He lacked the character that he should have had. Deuteronomy 9, 20, And the Lord was very angry with Aaron to, to have destroyed him and I prayed for Aaron also the same time. So what did Moses do? He prayed for, his, for Aaron, even though Aaron was wrong. So we see the desire of the people, the decision of Aaron. Instead of saying no, when they came to him and said, Hey, you know, Moses is delaying. In verse 2, And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives and of your sons and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. What he said, should have said, we are going to trust in God, and we are going to trust in Moses. That's what he should have said. 
He should have stuck, stuck with the word of God. He should have stuck with the authority that God had placed over him. But he went his own way. And dear friend, anytime we go our own way, opposite of the word of God, it's always trouble. It's always trouble. It's interesting to know that many of the earrings during the time were signs of symbols of idolatry. Where did they get these earrings? They pick them up off the sand? No, they got them from the spoils of war from Egypt. These earrings were emblems of God's victory over Egypt, but now they became emblems and tools of spiritual defeat. Satan is the master of using our own blessings for evil purposes if we yield them to us, yield them to him. He'll use them against us. God will bless us because of our giving, because of our service. But in that blessing, the blessing that he's given us with extra, instead of using it to serve God, we'll use it to serve ourselves and take care of ourselves. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, neither give place to the devil. You see, the devil is looking for the weak spot in your life. And every one of us has weak spots. Every one of us has temptations. Some of it is maybe it might be your anger. Might be lust. Maybe gossip. Maybe criticism. Maybe tailbearing. Maybe lying. Maybe stealing. Whatever it is, we all have we all have areas of temptation. And if we don't recognize those areas of temptation and ask God to help us, the devil will get place in our life and they'll use those, those areas, those places to defeat us. So instead of saying, well, I'm okay, I don't have any problem, and that's what happens oftentimes when we, when we struggle, we're not willing to admit our own wrong. We say, oh, no, I'm okay, I'm all right. If you was to ask Aaron right now, just when he said, oh, just... You know, go, go take off your earrings and let's go make a, a golden calf. At that, the, at that point, Aaron thought he was right. But he was totally wrong. He was totally wrong. And what you know what that is, folks? That's pride. That's pride. The Bible says whenever pride cometh before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Whenever there's contention, whenever there's an argument, whenever there's fighting amongst two people, it's always because of pride. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, if you're in pride and you say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just doing what I think. I'm doing what I feel. And everybody thinks the same way. You know what that is? That's pride. That's all, that's all pride. The Bible says, no, that's not the way to go. Submit yourself. Humble yourself. These Hebrews were poor, freed slaves who were gladly giving away gold for this idol. What can we learn from this? Number one, people as a rule spend freely on their vices. They will freely give to their vices. They will gladly fork out their money for sinful pleasures for a false religion. People tend, secondly, to be hesitant and reluctant to part with their valuables in service for God, not as willing to sacrifice. It has been said in the United States of America, people give more money to dog food than to missions. And it is true. Now, a million years from now, what will matter? 
The souls of men are food for dogs and cats. Now, dear friends, I got dogs and cats and love dogs and cats. But more important, my dog and cat is missions. Is missions. False, serving false gods was not new to Israel. It would happen in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. So it's a temptation for us to serve other idols, to focus on other things that take our heart away from us. The Hebrews were deemed by the Lord, physically set free, but spiritually they lacked faith in God. Yes, they were free from the bondage of Egypt, but they lacked that relationship, that trust with God that they should have had. We read about it in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 20. And he said, I will hide my face from them and I will see what their end shall be for their very four generation children in whom is no faith. They had no faith. They had no trust. They, they, were, they were focused on themselves and what they thought and what they believed and how they felt. And that's the temptation for all of us to go by how we feel, to go by how we think, but to go by how we, we, we are experienced or what we experienced in the past. But dear friend, your experience, your knowledge, the things you've done in the past has no equal to faith, to trust. Because God does things that doesn't make sense. God does things beyond what we can imagine. I mean, he'll take someone who's a drunk, Someone who's a jailbird, someone who society would think is crazy and out of their mind, and they receive the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and recognize themselves a sinner, ask Jesus Christ to save them, and their lives are changed. He'll take somebody who's going on the way to hell and save them, and they're on their way to heaven. Now, you can't figure that out by logistics. They didn't just clean themselves up. It happened because there's faith in God working in their lives. Beloved, if we're going to follow and believe in something, we have to, we're, if we're going to follow and believe in something, if we do not follow the Lord who is true, then we'll end up following something that's false. Satan is a father of lies. Agnostics and atheists follow a false religion. The Bible says in Romans 1.20, And because of that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, because in their vain imaginations their foolish heart was darkened. So the events found in this chapter are applicable for us, for us today. As Moses was away from Israel on the mount, so Christ is away from us in the earth at the right hand of the Father. So what do we say? Well, Jesus doesn't care. He's not coming back. Jesus, Jesus this whole thing must be a fake. And you know what? If you read the Bible, that's what people are going to say about, oh, man, they, they believe in fables. They, they, they don't believe in the truth. Oh, that's an old faith of their fathers. That's what people used to believe. But it's not true anymore. And, dear friend, the United States of America, which for our foundation, which used to be of God, is now turning into a, a, a United States of America which believes in fables and lies. Tim Cook. He's the head of Apple. I love his products, but he's a pagan. He's a pagan. There's a video that I watched about 30 seconds of a clip of because I couldn't watch much more of it. He talks about, he get in this video, he talks about communing with Mother Earth. He's talking to Mother Earth and said, have we pleased you, Mother Earth? Have we done everything as a company to take care of you? Dear friend, Mother Earth 
is like Santa Claus and the snowman and Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. It's not true. But we got pagans in this world believing it stronger than most Christians believe the Bible. They believe in what they believe more than most folks that go to church. They believe it's true. They believe Mother Earth is true. I told you the story. Eric and I were on door-to-door -door visitation. We met this lady, and she had a yard full of flowers. I mean weeds. I mean flowers. And we walked in there, and I was afraid to get in there because I might get caught by something and might not be able to come back out. And she came out the door, and we were down to the next road, and we were getting ready to pass out some more trucks. And she said, hey, what y'all need? And I said, hey, we're from, we're, from, uh, we're from North Gainesville Baptist Church, and we just want to tell you about our church and leave some literature. And she got upset, and she said, oh, y'all, you're that church down 39th. I said, yeah, that one with the red roof, you know, red roof, North Gainesville Baptist Church. She said, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't like that church. I said, why? What do we do? She said, well, y'all should never be there because you hurt Mother Earth. Now, if I was thinking right, and I probably, and I'm glad, good thing I wasn't thinking right, I'd have probably said, well, what's your house doing? Isn't your building on Mother Earth hurting her too? <laughs> Mother Earth, my soul. Dear friends, they've turned the truth into fables. And here they are. They were brought out of Egypt by God. The Red Sea happened because of God. They were in the desert and God opened up rocks and gave them water because of God. God provided manna because he's God. God had taken care of them every which away. And now they're turning from the one who helped them, the one who loved them, the one who guided them and took care of them. And now they're doing their own thing because somehow now they think they know better. They think they know better than God. No, dear friend. The Bible says in Psalm 27, we don't understand. We can't figure it out. Not to complain. Not to get mad. Not to get the poochy lip powder. Or, or, or get frustrated. Why, God, do you have the government the way we have it? Why is taxes raised up 29% in Gainesville? Why did my GRU bill go up? My property tax go up? Why, Lord, why? Okay, Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The Lord is never late. The Lord knows what's going on. He hasn't forgotten about us. He's not up in heaven just twiddling his thumbs, thinking he doesn't care. They don't, we don't, you know, nobody cares. No, dear friend, he's at the right hand of the Father even today making intercession for us. He's even right now preparing a place, a mansion for us. He cares for us, and he's preparing a place for us. So Aaron was also tested here. Instead of bodily withstanding the whims of the people, he yields to them and fails to properly lead. Aaron used the gold to fashion a golden calf. The cat was away and the mice played. This is the first mention of a golden calf. Live bulls were worshipped in Egypt. Apis, the god Apis, was worshipped at Memphis. Memphis, the god Memphis at Helipus. They were 
considered by Egyptians as gods of strength and fertility. The sun god was represented by a bull. Some scholars think it had been the body of a cherub, which is common in Egypt. It had been the body of a bull, the head of a man, and wings. Whatever it was like, they quickly, enthusiastically go into idolatry again and served idols. Second Peter 2.22, but it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog has turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed unto her wallowing in the mire. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We are prone to leave our faith and our trust in God and trust in our feelings and go our own way. Oh, well, I know what the word of God said, but I'll do my own thing. I, I, you know, I know what the Bible says, but in this situation, no, dear friend, whenever you say, I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to do my, that's when you made a mistake. Because, dear friend, this is my authority. This is my guide. I don't go by how I feel. I don't go by how I think. I don't go by what other people say. I want to go by this book. Because if you go under the authority and the truth of the word of God, you're always safe. But by God, if you go by how you feel, if you go by how you think, if you go by how other people think, if you go by popular opinion, you know what you're going to do? You're going to fail. You're going to fail. God's people were ungrateful to the Lord and for all that he'd done for them. He defeated the Egyptians, divided the Red Sea, gave them a diet of free manna, but still they rejected the Lord. Beloved, don't take for granted what God has done for you and I. The calf was made. The calf is a beast of burden that becomes their burden. God punishes and judges their blasphemy and idolatry. This judgment does not prevent it from surfacing again. As the nation of Israel divided, Jeroboam erected a calf idol in Dan and Bethel. We find it in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 28, whereupon the king took counsel, made two calves of gold, and said of them, It's too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Behold, your gods, O Israel, were brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And he set them in one in Bethel, and he put the other one in Dan. Because he didn't want the people to go back to Jerusalem and worship. He said, Here's one in Bethel. Way down there, and one there's one there's one in Dan, way up there. Worship them. So what did Aaron do? He constructed the calf and an altar. While the cat was away, the mice played, and he called, we called for, for for them to worship this idol. And what did he say? This is a feast to the Lord. He blasphemed God. This wasn't a feast unto the Lord. This was pagan worship. All this was cloaked to cover disobedience in the name of the Lord. And a lot of times we'll do everything, we'll do things. We're trying to do things, and we're trying to do it in God's name. Well, is it by God's will? You see, dear friend, if you're not doing things by God's will, you don't want to use God's name. I hear people say, well, you know, the Lord led me to do something. Well, dear friend, the Lord will never lead you to do something outside his will. His, his will and his word are always on the same page. You say, well, you know, I was just tempted and, you know, the Lord was leading me to go steal. No, that's not God's will. Well, you know, uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I, just, I just had to have that uh, Snicker bar from 7-Elevens oh, don't have 7-Elevens up here. From the Circle K. <laughs> I just had to have that. Oh, I just, you know, things aren't going the way I think they should go, so I just, just criticize and complain and get mad and get upset. Is it God's will? Don't ask me a question. Is it ever God's will for us to murmur and complain? Uh, can you find some scriptures that says we should not? Yeah. Do all things without murmurings and complaining. 
Dear friend, God has blessed us. What do we have to complain about? And if we have a complaint, shouldn't we bring it to God? And if we have a complaint against a person, what do we, shouldn't we do? We go to the person to this have the complaint against and we talk to them personally? Isn't that the way God wants us to do it? I mean, doesn't he say that in Matthew chapter 18? I've read this passage over and over and over. Matthew chapter 18. And in verse 5, excuse me, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between him, between him, between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear it, thou hast gained thy brother. So what do you do if you have a complaint, if you have a problem? You go to the person to whom you have a complaint. It doesn't say, say it publicly. It does not say, get on Facebook and tell the whole world. It doesn't say, call the people in the church, use a directory, call the people in the church and tell the whole church your problem. Does it say that? Does it say that? And secondly, it says, hey, if, it, if that doesn't happen, but if he will not hear thee, then take with him one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. So if, if there's a problem between one or two people, then go to that person. If, if they can't fix it, go take two. Then if they can't fix it, go take the elders of the church. And if they can't fix it, bring it before the whole church. But it starts with a private thing. That's what God's will for us in the New Testament is. If there's an issue between another person, dear friend, the best thing to do is go to the person. You say, well, man, I'm afraid to go to that person. I'm fearful. Friend, do what God wants you to do. Man, it's much easier to go to my pal, which is sitting beside me. No, go and do what God wants you to do. Well, I know preacher will listen to me. No, go, go and get, do what God wants you to do. I, I'd rather talk to my wife about it. No, go and talk to that person about it. You see, friend, again, if we trust God by faith and do it by faith, it's right. But if we live in fear, like Aaron lived in fear, we live in a way in which gets us in trouble every time. And that's not God's will. And that's not God's will. They rose early and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Unfortunately, their offering was a mockery, and they were not dedicated to the Lord, which is the meaning of the burnt offering. They would not have peace because they did not properly deal with their sins. The proverb says in 15, chapter 15, verse 8, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer is of the upright in his delight. The people sat down, and what did they do? They partied, they ate, and drank, and played, which means they had immoral dealings with one another. God was not concerned with their sacrifice. He wanted their obedience. And that's always what he wants. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, And Samuel said, the Lord, Hath the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, than to hearken to the fat of rams. What does God want in our lives? He wants obedience. And obedience sometimes is contrary to how we feel. Obedience sometimes is contrary to what I think. Obedience is sometimes contrary to what I like or want to do. But dear friend, if I don't trust the word of God and follow what the Bible wants me to do, then what is my authority? 
You see, friend, either the Bible's my authority and I follow it and do what it wants me to do, or I become the authority. Who's the authority in your life? God gave the word of God so it would be used to lead us, to guide us, and to help us in our life. And by the grace of God, we should follow it. And when we don't follow the word of God and we do our own thing, you know what the best thing for us to do? Humble ourselves. How many of you today would say, I knew the word of God was telling me a certain way to do it, things, but I chose to do it otherwise? Me. <laughs> Probably once a day, at least. Sometimes many times a day. I know what the Bible says. Friends, if I don't know what the Bible says, then, well, I know what the Bible says. I've studied it. I memorized it. I meditate on it. I study it. And still, I just scratched the surface. But many a time, I know what it says. But it's not the knowing of what it says. It's the doing of what it says and having the right attitude. Because obedience is doing what you're told when you're told with the right attitude. As a dad, oftentimes I would tell my kids to obey. And to do it is one thing, but to do it with a good attitude, sometimes that's a little harder. And sometimes that's a little harder in our life, right? God has set up rules. God has set up leaders in our life. Not perfect. Oh, man, far from perfect. Fail in all types of ways. They didn't trust God, and they didn't trust Moses. And they started doing their own thing. Because of that, many of the people of Israel were destroyed. It hurt the nation. They hurt themselves because they lived by fear and not by faith. Father, I pray, God, that you'd help us in our life to not live by fear, to not live about what people say or other people think, or simply to trust. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not upon thine own understanding and all thy ways. Acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Help us to follow your word. Oh, we don't always understand it. We don't always grasp it. But it is our authority in life, and help us by the grace of God to live it. And when we don't live it, help us to humble ourselves. Help us to be willing to ask forgiveness when we fail, when we fall down, when we don't follow the, the, the word that we should follow. Help us first to go to you and ask forgiveness. Help us to go to others and ask forgiveness. Help us to be right with you and others to the best of our ability. Help us to seek peace and pursue it. Oh, if Aaron would have only said, no, trust the Lord, trust the word of Moses, how much pain he could have spared how much sin could have stopped. But he followed his feelings and his fear instead of trusting by faith. Maybe you're here tonight and you're in a situation where you're struggling. Maybe it's the fear of man. The Bible says a fear of man is a snare. Maybe it's that boss or that coworker you're struggling with. Maybe it's that wife or that husband or that child, that friend, that neighbor they're struggling with. That authority figure in your life that you grumble against, complain against. Where's the struggle? Where's the strife? Where's the pride? 
Do you always have to be right? Is it your way or the highway? Could you trust that God is working and moving in a way beyond what you can comprehend or understand at the moment? Sometimes it's so easy to fret and fear instead of trust and believe. Preacher, God has been speaking to me about an area of my life where I need to trust him more, be patient more, try to understand God more instead of focus on my feelings about what I think and what I want to do. Would you pray that I would trust God more and not rely on my own fears, my own beliefs, my own thinking, because they will lead me astray. Would you pray for me tonight? Anybody like that? Be honest. Amen.